Amen. Thanks, Alfredo. We need to continue on with our community focus for a little bit more. We've got, we've got a little business yet to do, and even at the end of the service we will as well. Uh, 14 years is a long time. Wouldn't you agree with me? 14 years, long time. Well, that's exactly how long uh, Jeff Velasco has been helping us out, get things set up on Sunday mornings. And Jeff, this is his last Sunday, and so I need you to help me do something here. Uh, this is the community gratitude moments of our service this morning. I just like saying gratitude. Uh, extend that tude out just a bit. Anyway, Jeff, 14 years, a quiet, humble servant, always goes about his work. Never seen him complain, although he might to you over there. But um, <laughs> that, that's par for the course. As far as I'm concerned, you walk on water, so to speak, metaphorically. You've done a great job for us. I promised him that he wouldn't have to say anything. Um, but that doesn't mean you don't have to say anything. We've got a, we've got a gift card for him. Uh, on behalf of all of us here, it's, it's a small token of our appreciation, right, and our own gratitude for 14 years. And uh, he's done just a bang-up, fantastic, wonderful, amazing, spectacular uh, job. And uh, thank you, my man. Really, receive this. Receive this. Yep. Feels good, doesn't it? Here's a gift certificate for 14 years. Um, don't spend it all in one place. Oh, wait, it's a gift certificate. You're going you're gonna to have to do that. Anyway, we love you. We are so thankful for you, and enjoy the next chapter of your life. I'm not going anywhere, so. Okay, good. Can you put that in writing and notarize it for us? That'd be good. All right, Jeff Velasco, 14 years, right? Thanks, man. Thanks, buddy. Really excited, uh, community focus still. Uh, last Thursday evening, our choir met, got uh, reconvened in the Trinity Center, and uh, they're gearing up. I was sitting in the office here, and I could hear them singing across, you know, the courtyard with all, their doors were open, but the front office door was open, and I sat there with a smile on my face. And uh, we've reconvened the choir. They're getting ready for a Christmas program. We'll keep you posted on that. But here's the plug. If you don't think you can sing, I know you can because Rod Bagheri, who is our choir director, he's so good, he'll bring it out of you. He's just that good. So join him on Thursday nights at 7 o'clock. Um, we're working our way through the Gospel of Luke, right? In the series, one of the things I really like about this is we walk in and we see go. And it, right immediately, it, it, it's a placeholder for us. It's a visual placeholder, and it reminds us that Jesus went. His ministry was always on the go. And you never knew where the ministry would take him. Last week, uh, we saw him calm a storm. This week, it's a very, very powerful uh, story of power encounter. And you, sometimes Jesus goes to safe places. Sometimes Jesus goes to homes. Sometimes Jesus goes to incredibly terrifying, unsafe places. You just never know where the word go is going to take us. And I love that imagery uh, for us as a church that's been around for a hundred and some five, six years. We're always asked to go. 
So let me start with a story that a friend of mine, it's a funny story, a friend of mine sent me this week who I adore, and I read the story because it's relating to golf. And let's begin with, with a little story. So Moses and Jesus were playing in a threesome, and they went to the very first tee. Sorry, don't drop your head, Craig. I saw that. <laughs> Unbelievable. I didn't even get the first sentence out, and he's like, cheesy pastor joke. I like it, though. Moses, Jesus, go to the first tee, and there's a three of them. There's a threesome on the tee. Moses steps up, and uh, he tops his drive, and it's heading right towards a pond right in front of him. Moses, being Moses, does a quick thing, parts the water. The ball rose, rolls across on dry, you know, the, the bottom of the pond, fairly dry, up on the shore, safe, ready for a second shot. Not a bad start. Jesus gets up. Jesus does the same thing, gives, a good, gives it a good whack. He kind of pops it up in the same general direction as the pond, only when the ball gets basically to the pond, it doesn't hit the pond and sink. The ball hovers above the water. Not a bad thing, right? So Jesus is able to walk out there on the water. The ball's hovering right over the water, take his second shot, knocks it up on the green. Putting for birdie, not bad. Third member of the group gets up to the tee, whacks it pretty hard, slices it hardcore right. There's OB out of bounds to the right. He hits a house, it bounces off the house, goes to the next house, right? Bounces off the roof, rolls down uh, into the gutter, through the downspout, through a hole in the fence, heading towards the same pond. Golf ball rests on top of a lily pad. A hungry frog jumps out of the water, puts the golf ball in his mouth. No sooner did that happen than an eagle comes, scoops up the frog with the golf ball in his mouth and begins to fly away. The frog gets a little nervous because, well, frogs aren't meant to fly with golf balls in their mouths. And as they're in the air, the golf ball gets frightened and scared and, and drops the golf ball in mid-flight. Over the green, the ball drops onto the green and rolls and rolls and rolls right into the cup, hole in one. Right? Moses turns to Jesus and says, I really hate playing golf with your dad. Thank you very much. Good night, everybody. Anyway, thanks for sending me that. I love that joke. Because, you know, you can't repeat many jokes anymore. So here's the deal. We start out funny, but this story is uh, absolutely terrifying, really, when you get to the base of it. And there isn't any single one of us in this room that hasn't found ourselves uh, out of play in life. Sometimes we've done it to ourselves. Sometimes it's circumstances that have happened to us. Sometimes we find ourselves out of bounds. Sometimes we find ourselves in the pond. Sometimes we find ourselves in the hazard, right? Anybody? You got that moment in time when you just felt like my life is out of bounds. I'm totally out of control. Now what? That's what our story is about this morning. So let's uh, cue the uh, spooky Halloween music and go to the text because this story is going to knock the socks off of us if we allow it. So they sailed across the Sea of Galilee to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. Now, before I go any further, now all I'm going to do is read the story and explain it all the way through and offer a challenge at the end. That's why there's no sermon notes. 
Ah, right? For those of you that went to the Holy Land with us a few years ago, uh, we did not go to this place, but on the far side of the Sea of Galilee is, is a really amazing area. I've been there myself before. It's an extremely high precipice cliff area. Our, our group, I've stopped there, stand on top of the cliff. The wind is breezing, at least when I, blowing. When I was there, it was at sunset. Gorgeous, gorgeous orange sky. Standing up high enough with the wind blowing in your hair, you can see the entire Sea of Galilee. And it's precisely that location where this story takes place. So they sail across, and when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. Let some of this sink in. I'm going to try to slow the cadence down upon occasion so that we can really let this story go deep. Now check this out. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but he had lived in the tombs, which is very common. Because when there's this level of power encounter and your, your body, mind, soul, and spirit has been so totally taken over, you are placed outside of town. You usually live in the tombs. And this was a violent character. We're going to find out more about him as the story unfolds. When he saw Jesus, he immediately knew who Jesus was, he cried out and he fell at his feet shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. Wow. Dramatic. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man Many times it had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he was able to break, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. I mean, that's this guy's life. He's got no home, he's got no clothes, he's driven to the outskirts of town. He's bound hand and foot by chains to protect everybody else. That's his life. Anybody here feel that way ever? You ever feel like you're so overcome by something that just holds you back? You're chained? These are fake, by the way. Bound hand and foot. And then there's this amazing question. This question is spectacular. I haven't been able to get this question out of my mind all week. This question can be transformational if we allow it. This guy had no life. He had no way to sustain himself. Totally ostracized, totally put outside, totally on the outskirts of anything that we would consider normal social behavior. Then there's this 
You guys, this, this is a transformational question. This is gospel. He just, he asks him, what is your name? What? What is your name? What? You know, intimate of a question that truly is, Jesus doesn't see the years of thrashing, the years of violence, the years of possession. Jesus does not see that moment. He goes right to him. He looks him right in the eye. And his eyes peer through his eyes deep down into his soul. And he asks him, Hi, Alfredo. What is your name? Who really are you? I see you. And the response to me is as equally provocative. He doesn't give him his name. What does he give him? My name is Legion. For there are many, maybe up to a hundred demons living inside of me. He doesn't even tell him his name. He skips over the question Jesus asks him. He's more focused on all those things that hold him down. All the ways that he feels like he's, he's out of bounds or in the water hazard. <laughs> What's your name? Legion. There's many. That's not what Jesus asked him. Didn't ask him that question. I don't care about that name. I don't care what holds you back. I don't care about that diagnosis. I don't care how other people see you. I don't care that you live in the tombs. I don't care that you're naked. Well, maybe I do. I don't care that you don't have a home. I don't care what other people say about you. I don't care what you've been suffering deep down in solitary places. This guy's beyond salvation. And Jesus asks him, what's your name? Because I see you. What a life. What a non-life life. So this morning, before I ask you what your name is, what are your chains? What binds you? What binds you? Because Pastor Len, and I'm going to call you Pastor because that rocked, buddy, asked us to surrender it all. What is it? Could be an addiction. Could be a diagnosis. Could be chronic pain with no name. Could be chronic pain that's got a name but no one knows what to do with it. That's like even worse. Could be assault. Could be abuse. Could be a bad memory. Could be something you can't shake. Could be your financial state or lack thereof. What is it? You're living in the tombs, man. Why? 
Why would we ever want to live there? Maybe it's betrayal by a spouse, a partner, a business partner, a bad deal gone wrong where everything's We all got a chain or two, eh? You know, for me, uh, you know, I, which one would I share with you in public, right? <laughs> That's the other thing. We got chains we're willing to share in public, and then we got chains that, it's not appropriate for anybody but my therapist. And God. You know, for me, it's, it's, uh, and it's, I, I've been reading a lot about this. It's just performancism. It's different than perfectionism. Performancism. And I, I, was, I was tracing, really watching my whole life. So the oldest boy of two younger brothers in a sports-minded family, it was always about, did you win? If yes, great job. If no, everybody has an opinion. Does that sound familiar, by the way, after the last two baseball games? Right? Does any of that sound slightly familiar? Right? Picking Dodgers. That's performancism. I can remember uh, driving to hockey games. Uh, my dad and my mom were in the front seat always, and I'd be in the back seat with my brother. He, I was a senior, he was a freshman, and the whole way there was you know, getting ready for the game and strategizing and running scenarios, and then we get to the game. We'd well, it was a celebration. But on the way home, if we didn't play well, it was an hour of here's what you did wrong. As if doing it in real time wasn't bad enough. Now i got to go hash it over again for another hour. All for the sake of getting better. My friend's performanceism is a chain. Because it's about what we do. And the greatest thing about the gift of God in Jesus Christ, it has nothing to do with what we do. It's just, I surrender all. When? Right? Amen. I give it up. So what are you chained to today? You got one? You got five? What do you need to let go? That's the real question. The legion of demons inside this poor guy. By the way, we never know his name. Isn't that interesting? You know what I've thought about this week as I've rolled this tape over and over in my mind? We don't need to know his name because it's every single one of us. It's every single one of us. The storytellers in Scripture are just masters. We don't need to know the name because it's Tim and Don and Barbara, and Tobin, and Roy, and Kim, Joanna, Craig, Dr. Grimes. Feels nice, doesn't it? I got called doctor for about 12 hours, and then it was just, come on, Dad, let's go. <laughs> Apparently, that's another one of my chains. I have a little still issues. I still, I still have issues with that, man, you know. Oh, my, right? 
They called me Dr. Dad for about a half a day, and then it was, come on, Dad. And I'm like, what happened to Dr. Dad? That was yesterday. I'm chained. I got issues. <laughs> Jesus wanted to know what his real name was. He didn't want to know the name that everybody else gave him based on his performance. This demon-possessed guy answered incorrectly. Eh. Jesus wanted to know, not Legion. He wanted to know Tim's name. Deep down inside. You know, that childlike faith, Tim? That sparkle in the eye, Tim? That, that Tim that can believe that even the impossible is possible because God himself can make it so? That's the name Jesus was looking for. That's the response Jesus was asking. So this morning, what's your name? It's the most tender, the most authentic, deepest, humblest, vulnerable place inside of you. Jesus asks you, what is your name from that place? Because I'm going there with you and I'm going to take all these off. That was cool. And they begged Jesus reportedly not to order them to go into the abyss. It's very dramatic. A large herd of pigs was feeding there. Uh, by the way, apparently this was, this was Gentile land. Uh, pigs were the basic economy. You don't want anything to happen to your economy. It's going to hurt your wallet. <laughs> a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. He drove, him, he drove all these legion, these hundreds of demons, into the pigs gave him permission to do that. And when they came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake, and they were drowned. Game over. Chains gone. I wish we knew what Legion's name was. Because it's you, Alfredo, and it's me. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and they reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what happened. Now it's interesting in the story, why did they go out to see what happened? Did they want that same kind of freedom? Or were they irritated that, that their economy, that their portfolio was going to be hurt now? We don't really know, but we get an inclination in a moment. When they came to see Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, now check out the juxtaposition of this guy before and now. Dressed and in his right mind. Free from anxiety. Free from the past. Free from the labels. Free from the name Legion. Free, free, free. The chains are gone. Free. But they were afraid. This is so prophetic for the church today. They were afraid. It's not as it's always been. We're used to that guy being like that. 
Man, this is freedom for everybody. And those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them. Why? They weren't grateful. There was no gratitude. Overcome with fear. So Jesus basically in his wisdom, by the way, what a non-anxious presence, right? Jesus only, in the midst of all this violence, what is your name? And he left. Got in the boat and he left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away. And this is a great story. Like, got that level of freedom. I'm, I want to go. Don't you want to go with this guy? Hey, man, let's go. Where are we headed? I'm with you. I'd be no different than the main character in the story. But Jesus says no. He said, no, you can't come with me. Not everybody gets to go. Here's what I want you to do, though. Return home and tell how much God has done for you. Thanks be to God. So the man went away. He told everybody. Didn't leave one person behind. He told everybody. All over town how much Jesus had done for him. This is the coolest story ever. A couple questions today. What's your demon? What's got you chained? What's your name, man? Because I don't see that stuff. This is a freedom text. This is a freedom text. My friends, be free. Plain and simple.